Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning radio show and podcast featuring your physician host, Dr. Tom McGovern. And Dr. Andrew Mullally, where we and our guests discuss relevant and health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. Dr. Doctor is brought to you in part by the generous underwriting of CMF Curo. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.org. Live your Catholic faith in your health care with CMF Curo. Today, our guest will be heard across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us will be John D. Camillo, Ph.D. and ethicist with the National Catholic Bioethics Center to talk about the ethics of cosmetic surgery and cosmetic procedures. Andrew, why in the world are we tackling this topic? I don't know. Hopefully we don't regret it um, because uh, I'm, (laughs) I'm well aware that cosmetic surgery and procedures and cosmetics in general frequently get cornered into kind of a, a female thing. So this is maybe thin ice, I hope not. But uh, no, I think it's a very important topic to attack because it's a question that I get asked a lot in regular practice. Um, conversations I have are, would you recommend this? Uh, am I crazy? Should I do this? Is this safe? <laughs> is it ethical? And then also on kind of the other side of things, I have conversations related to, was it bad that I did that? can I undo this? Um, (laughs) What was I thinking? You know, things of that nature. So I I think especially for some of our male listeners, they might not appreciate how common this is or how much some people do consider it, but it's really a big part of many people's lives. And I think it's worth talking about on the show. You know, the catechism doesn't address cosmetic surgery directly, but in paragraph 2289, it does say that the church rejects a neo-pagan notion that tends to promote the cult of the body to sacrifice everything for its sake and to idolize physical perfection and success. So it uh, it's saying there's an extreme that's bad. That's right. And, and so I, it's, it's hard to figure out, you know, how to navigate this. I think that might be one of the reasons why I find myself talking about it with patients so often is it just with a, a cursory Google search of Catholic and cosmetic surgery or cosmetics in general. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, there's a great diversity of opinion with uh, double the opinion, a little less on any magisterial guidance, you know? so Which is why we're bringing on John. That's exactly right. I mean, everybody's <laughs> kind of left to fend for themselves and you'll read things uh, that are totally opposite. And, you know, the, the truth will set you free. And hopefully we can discover some of that today. Yes. And in, in you know, my field of dermatology, when I was doing general dermatology before I got full-time busy with uh, uh, cancer surgery and reconstruction, a lot of patients come in concerned about their appearance, uh, whether it's due to disease or due to natural aging or sun exposure or growths that are not cancer, but are distracting. So for instance, I always thought it licit to remove somebody that has a big mole, you know, on an odd spot in the middle of their face that's always attracting the gaze of other people, so other people aren't gazing at them as a person. I always consider that, you know, this is pretty reasonable, you know, to do. But I, I could never articulate it. Although I remember this one lady who was educated by Jesuits when I was doing my fellowship at Yale, who said, "Oh, but Thomas Aquinas said," and she. I can't remember what she said he said, but it was something to the effect that there are occasions when that kind of surgery or that kind of uh, altering your appearance is reasonable and can be good. But I I want to know, what are the bumpers for that? What's the the parameters? Well, and I'm I'm even interested based on some of the quotes from from different saints that you can just see online. I'm not sure they're all all legitimate, tell you the truth, but (laughs) definitely some of them feel like many of these things are bad. Other people you know, I, I'd say that the, the best stuff I've seen from St. Thomas kind of spoke of a barrier, putting up a barrier or a, a mask to hide who you really are is disingenuous. But that's not really what I think most people are thinking about when no, they think cosmetic surgery. It's they, not they, play they acting. The, no, they want to be the best version of themselves, even in appearance and beauty and, and physically. I think we should define some terms because I do repair of defects on the face after removing cancer, people say, oh, are you a plastic surgeon? And the term plastic surgery uh, as a specialty actually refers to a set of skills. And there are some people who are not plastic surgeons who do things that the plastic surgeon would do. But there's two main categories of procedure plastic surgeons do. One of them deals with, you know, repair or reconstruction 
of physical defects that block the form and function. It's usually from some disease or disorder. So that's you know, broadly considered reconstructive surgery, trying to put something back the way it's supposed to look. Then you have this other bucket called cosmetic surgery. And that's where people want to be better looking than they naturally are, or they don't like the shape of some part of their anatomy. And so there's these two aspects. And what I want to clarify for our listeners, we are not talking tonight, today, whenever time you're listening to this, about reconstructive surgery. So we're not talking about the ethics of repairing cleft lip or cleft palate. Those are completely listed. We're not talking about breast reconstruction after breast cancer surgery. We're not talking about surgical reconstruction after skin cancer removal like I and thousands of other doctors do every day. Can you think of other examples, Andrew, of things we're not talking about? Those were the big ones. Cleft lip and breast cancer are the two that jumped to my mind. But I, I think, you know, even even the example you you gave where someone might have a uncommon or abnormal uh, defect, so to speak, maybe a birthmark of some kind that was extremely distracting, different than truly, I'd say, cosmetic-only surgeries. I mean, there's a gray line there, but right. you definitely see some folks where, you know, I, I had the opportunity to run on a baby this week who was born with a polydactyly of the thumb, two thumbs. That's repairing something that's anatomically uh, a, a diseased organ, even though it's, you know, it's something from birth. That would be very different than other requests that I'm sure you get. And I hear sometimes about, I don't like these spots. Can you take them off? Gee whiz, that's a lot of spots. I don't know. I mean, I'm not <laughs> sure that's prudent. And so hopefully that's what we can get into today. And, uh, you know, looking at uh, plastic surgery websites, the most common procedures that are being done each year in cosmetic surgery, number one, rhinoplasty, the nose job. Two, blepharoplasty, make their eyelids look better. Three, the facelift. Four, making women's breasts larger. And five, sucking out fat where you don't want it, liposuction. And then there's a group of minimally invasive cosmetic surgical procedures included here. Number one, Botox injection. Number two, fillers to puff up lips or reduce lines, three chemical peels, uh, four laser procedures, and intense pulse light, which is like laser. So these are some of the main things that we'll be talking about, although there are others. And it seems like there's definitely a distinction there in um, the amount of procedure, how severe yes. the procedure is, and how, how much risk maybe the patient is taking on. But that's my question is, what are the essential differences and what are the things, if I'm a listener who's considering some form of cosmetic surgery, uh, what's licit, what's illicit, and what do I have to think about to help figure out if, if it applies to me in this case? Amen. And before we go to our break, it's time to pose the medical trivia question of the day. The category is the increasing demand for cosmetic surgery. Question. Of the top five cosmetic surgical procedures performed in 2020, which one had increased the most in the previous 20 years since 2000. In fact, it was an astounding 75% increase from 2000 to 2020. It's multiple choice. Was it the rhinoplasty, the blepharoplasty, those are the nose job and the eyelid lift. Three, was it rhytidectomy, which is the facelift. Four, was it breast augmentation? Or number five, was it liposuction? As always, you're gonna to have to wait till the end of the show to get the answer, but we'll be right back after the break on Dr. Doctor with Dr. John D. Camillo. Welcome back to Dr. Doctor, where we have with us now Dr. John D. Camillo. John has been an ethicist at the National Catholic Bioethics Center for over 10 years now, where he does ethics consults, he writes and publishes research, and he works on collaborative arrangement analyses, seeing if Catholic healthcare systems can work with certain non-Catholic entities. He got his PhD at the Regina Apostolorum in Rome, and he lives in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. John, welcome to Dr. Doctor. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes, where angels fear to tread, here comes John. And I think a good place to start is something solid. The best document from the church related to this topic was actually released only days before he died by Pope Pius uh, 12th in October of 1958. It was a talk he gave to the 10th Italian Congress of Plastic Surgeons. John, what is so important about that talk for our topic tonight? 
Yeah, so actually it's easy to say because there's very little that we actually have written magisterially about the whole question of cosmetic surgery. So this is one of the few that that is out there and certainly I think one of the most authoritative that's out there that addresses this question. So praise the Lord for Pius XII and all the great work he's done in the area of bioethics. This is one example of that. Basically, I would say it, this actually first came to my attention maybe four years ago because in, in the course of doing consultations on questions related to gender dysphoria and responses and treatments for gender dysphoria, um, you know, questions were arising about, well, you know, are there any circumstances in which it might be legitimate to do certain reassignment surgeries or things of this sort? And so, you know, different people were mining the literature, trying to find anything in Catholic moral teaching that speaks to this. And this, this came up and that was the first I had ever actually seen it. Um, but it does address the question of plastic surgery and specifically then within that, the, uh, re- the restorative or reparative surgery versus the cosmetic. Um, and it gives us some guiding principles uh, to work with in an area that is otherwise very, very, um, uh, I would say, hardly addressed. Um, I can actually say even from our consultation work, 10 years of doing consults at NCBC, hundreds of consults a year, I think we've gotten almost none, very, very few on the topic of cosmetic surgeries. I mean, you know, we get some very hefty questions, but this is one of those we virtually never deal with. So I have to just throw in that caveat that I I feel like I'm not much of an experienced expert here on this topic because it's, it's so seldom addressed. Watch out, you're going to start getting phone calls after this. Yeah. <laughs> you're the expert. Exactly right. what you say. So, yeah, so I, I had to do some quick uh, training and read this whole thing through a couple times uh, before our, our conversation here, so hopefully we can have something uh, to contribute by way of Pius XII. Um, what, what did, speaking of Pius XII, what did he say in, in, his, um, in his information here regarding physical beauty and how that fits in the scale of human values kind of objectively. Yeah, he was very clear that physical beauty is a good. Uh, Physical beauty is something which, of course, makes sense because God himself um, is beauty uh, and and he's good, he's beautiful, uh, and he's true. And so, you know, that is, that makes sense. Beauty in itself, even physical beauty, uh, the human person is a body-soul union. Uh, And so both our body and our soul have this dimension of beauty to them. Uh, And so it is a value that is a good, Uh, It is something that uh, we can legitimately seek to perfect. Uh, And it is something uh, in this sense, though, that is also subjugated or or I'd say um, below other goods and values. So it has to be situated in the context of the overall human person, that body whole uh, body soul union, uh, meaning physical beauty is something that is ordered to and part of our overall beauty as a human person, which means it's subordinated to the spiritual good of man as well and to other essential goods like our basic health, for example. So what are some of the things that you would list in the hierarchy above physical beauty? He listed a couple. Yeah, yeah. So, well, definitely the he explicitly says the spiritual good uh, and the essential goods. And some examples of that might be, again, bodily health. Um, so, you know, there shouldn't be a situation in which we are uh, compromising, directly compromising our bodily health in order to achieve physical beauty. And and so I think those are the, the main ones that he uh, discusses from my recollection. Okay. And, and what are some big picture things he commented about cosmetic surgery in general? In general, again, he noted that it was a good thing, uh, that it, it actually had great uh, potential. Um, he, he spoke to all of the amazing advances that happened with cosmetic surgery uh, in the uh, early 20th century. And of course, now, you know, he wrote this in 1958. So, I mean, the advances since 1958 have been immense uh, already. Um, so he, I'd say, had an overall positive tone on cosmetic surgeries and how um, they can serve the good of the person, that beauty can be something that we seek to perfect. And I do want to just point out, though, that when we talk about perfection um, in terms of physical beauty or, or perfection in any sense, it's in that philosophical sense of a fulfillment, right? Because people, especially talk about, you know, physical body perfection, people start yeah. thinking about, you know, supermodels or things like that. And it's like, no, no yes. that's, that's not what we mean by perfection uh, when he's talking about perfecting physical beauty. Um, It it is a question of enabling that um, body to more fully express the interior, um, the interior value uh, and the interior life of the person. Uh, So you're, you're talking about, you know, how do we best manifest the great qualities of the soul 
through that body. <laughs> in other words, this is this is something that that's how you perfect. Um, are we we make that a, a better or more fitting instrument to use Thomistic terminology, a more fitting instrument for the expression of the soul, basically. It sounds like he's anticipating John Paul's theology of the body here. And in fact, wasn't 1958 around the time that John Paul released Love and Responsibility? Oh, I, I believe you're right. Yeah, I, ha- I have to go back and check the year of publication on that. But yeah, it was, uh, I think it was in, it was close by um, in, in any case. Yeah, Love and Responsibility, Carl Wojtyla. Yes. So I, I like the way this is all coming together. Um, so now getting down to the nitty gritty, since Pius does not outright reject cosmetic surgery, so this should be good for our listeners to hear, what are the criteria that he said need to be used by somebody considering such a procedure. Yeah, so here he he goes through kind of two sets. He gives a general framework first of basically laying down these general moral principles um, about how how do we start thinking about this, which is number one, um, we do have a duty to take orderly care of our health. And he says as part of that, there is, um, it's included or implied that there's an orderly care of our physical beauty. In other words, the, the orderly care of our appearance is part of the orderly care of our health. Um, and, and then he says, uh, you know, d- despite this, this point, one general principle, there's also, of course, the clear prohibition that self-mutilation is always forbidden. Uh, we can never directly damage the regular functions of physical organs. Uh, and then the third general principle he lays out is that um, full dominion over the body and over, of course, the whole person is for God alone. So this is kind of a warning against trying to sort of take into our own hands and make ourselves the creator um, in in recreating ourselves however we just wish, you know, however we, which way we want to be. There are limits, you know, it's we are not our own. Um, we don't have full dominion of our body, just do whatever we want. It's not our property. Um, it's, it is us. And so there's that limit of remembering that God is the one um, who has full dominion. So then he goes into more detail and he says, all right, there's a few you know, specific conditions, the principal conditions for legitimate cosmetic surgery. Number one, there has to be a right intention. Number two, uh, there should be a general uh, protection of health from serious risks. And then number three, there have to be reasonable and proportionate motives for doing this. I, I guess I had one one question just as you as you were going through that. Uh, I think some of our listeners may may have keyed up to that word self mutilation as well. And yeah. in kind of preparing this, I saw many discussions online of self mutilation related to not cosmetic surgery per se, but even other cosmetics like tattoos and piercings and things of that nature. Does the church have an official teaching on that? So when it comes to things like tattoos or piercings or those sorts of interventions, there's not a clear condemnation of those. Let's put it that way. They're not considered intrinsic moral evils. Um, And so there could be circumstances in which they might be legitimate. Uh, But, you know, certainly I think a a general principle is part of the church's teachings of respect for the body. You know, if you were going to do a tattoo or something to that effect, you would want it to fit in the framework of, you know, there's nothing um, that is disrespectful uh, in it. Or, you know, there are certain kinds of things you might want to keep in mind. And of course, you'd have to pose the first question of why am I doing this at all in the first place? And is it worth the risks associated with it? But but the general yeah, general point would be it's not explicitly prohibited. That's kind of tangential from the cosmetic surgery, but I think it, it fits into kind of this this overarching idea of when we're going to manipulate the body in some way other than uh, natural time and gravity and all the things that most of us fight. <laughs> um, what, tell us about this intention. I, I always think of intention as that's, that's what paves the road to hell. But this is something that's not, these things are, or heaven, hopefully. I mean, this is clearly not illicit. So then intentionality comes into play. What What's a good intention for pursuing this? A good intention. Yeah, I think any example of a good intention, we have to frame first in that context of, is this something that's serving my overall good, my including my spiritual good? So I think that should be the first question because it, 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 it automatically leads to a series of reflections the person should have to go through about, you know, well, why am I even doing this? And am I doing it for, you know, reasons of, I don't know, uh, vanity or just some fashion whim or something like this? Um, is there uh, or or do I have um, something that is perhaps getting in the way of my ability to live out my spiritual life well? Um, you know, maybe something that is um, cause for such distraction to me, to others around me, um, that, you know, it, it would be something uh, 
that if I could just get rid of this, whatever it is, like a, a mole or, or something that's just particularly bothersome um, and, and interfering with my psychological health uh, and overall well-being, if I, could, if I could eliminate that simply without great risks, it would actually help me be at greater peace and be better able to live out my spiritual life and, and, and so on and so forth. So I think that could be an example of a right intention would be, I see that there's something here that's interfering with my spiritual good and with my overall health good um, that I would like to um, resolve if it can be resolved without serious risk of harm. So John, along with intention, you brought up the word vanity. What would be a good examination of conscience for us to see if we're doing something, whether it's cosmetic surgery or not, with regard to vanity instead of a better motive? Yeah, good question. Um, so vanity is basically when we want everybody to see how great we are, right? Is that, is that wow. necessarily right? The, so so pride is more about, I think I'm the best. <laughs> you know, I think I'm Got better it. than everybody else and, and I'm the center of my own attention, but I don't really necessarily care what other people think because if I just, you know, think I'm the best and I know everything and I'm just, you know, that's pride. Um, Got it. But vanity is is about I want other people to see how great I am, uh, mm. to see how beautiful I am. So I think for, for an examination of conscience purpose, you know, one might consider, um, am I doing this surgery so that other people will see me and think, oh, that person is so beautiful? You know, and my concern is with what other people are going to think about me um, more than is this something that's serving my spiritual well-being? or the spiritual well-being of others, right? So my, my concern is with what do they, what will everybody think about me? Will they, you know, uh, you know, be in awe and amazement and just say, oh, you're so beautiful and all these other things. And is that the thing that I'm looking for? Or is the thing that I'm looking for, for me to be at peace? Um, and to, you know, again, the example I gave, maybe to be rid of this particular distraction yes. that's in the way of my fulfillment that better allows me to express myself. So, so my concern is clearly with, am I growing closer to God through this? Um, or am I in some way um, ennobling others in some way? Um, or am I looking for them to think great things about me? Uh, so this plays uh, yeah. into a very common problem in today's society related to ageism. And that is a lot of older professionals feel pressure to look younger. Otherwise, they will or think they will lose jobs. And therefore, that motivates a number of people to do these things. Mm. So it sounds like they're concerned about how, how other people see them, but they want to keep their job. How, how do you untangle that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, we have to keep in mind there can be so there can be mixed motives all the time. You know, particularly when you get to the interior life, uh, it, it's a it's a great complex world in each individual. Um, you know, we're each our own universe, as they say. Um, <laughs> but but you know, let, let's just put it this way: um, that general example you you mention, it could very well be the case that the person, if they're looking to do a cosmetic surgery because it's related to their work. It may not necessarily be because of vanity. It's not necessarily that I'm, you know, wanting everybody to think I'm amazing and beautiful so much as yes. it is a question of how do I accomplish the goods that I need to accomplish for, you know, sustaining my family or for, um, you know, sharing a particular message I want to share. Maybe I'm, you know, it's a ministry that I'm part of and I want to be able to bring a, a good message to the world. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, through no fault of my own, this is just the, the way that I'm going to be perceived without maybe a certain kind of cosmetic surgery could, again, get in the way of me being able to fulfill those good aims. Um, and so it's not that I am necessarily, um, it's not that there's something necessarily wrong with me per se. I'm not, there's something immoral about me um, as I am, but there can be a question of, yes, I may be able to choose to live out uh, my particular role with a cosmetic surgery that's going to enable me to be full, better fulfilled, more at peace, and, and able to carry out the the activities of my job. And that's actually one of the things Pius XII does speak to at one point in the document. He mentions this fact of being able to perform one's activities well um, as part of a potential rationale, a legitimate rationale for a cosmetic surgery. And he cites the example of public figures, uh, for example. Uh, one might think of, I don't know, um, artists or, or media figures or government officials. I'm trying to think of examples. He didn't sure. name these, you know, what could that be, right? A TV personalities or something to this effect. Um, obviously, there are huge dangers of vanity there as well. 
But but there's also some legitimate sense to which you say, hey, if somebody is regularly and constantly being under the camera, um, you know, even the the mi most minute defects may be amplified to a broad audience and could become reason for distraction from important messages that I want to convey. You know, if I'm trying to run for office and everybody's so fixated on, you know, these big ears or something, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's like, can, can, is there a way, hey, it could be legitimate. Am I recommending it? I'm not recommending it, <laughs> but I'm saying there could be a rationale there. Like I have some good that I want to accomplish. And I know that unfortunately, this is something that's going to be getting in the way. And it's also tied to um, certain uh, standards of uh, of what makes the body itself more orderly and beautiful in that sense um, that we talked about before. So, John, you know, one of the things when people are, are talking about cosmetic surgery, even in each individual procedure, there's an element of proportion. And it seems as though the church does have a positive view uh, on cosmetic surgery if the aim is to improve beauty of people because beauty is a good. However, how do we judge if our concern is a proportionate concern or if it's exaggerated? Yeah, again, these are very, very difficult questions apart from specific cases because, um, and this is one of the clear points of uh, the, the address by Pius Twelfth is that, you know, the, the morality of any cosmetic surgery is ultimately derived from its circumstances, which means basically you can't know unless you're looking at an actual case. <laughs> um, but but again, we have these general parameters that, that he provided. Um, and yeah, I, I think we have to try to come up with some uh, basic goalposts or, or framework again to say, uh, is my concern proportionate or is it exaggerated? Well, it may be tied to, um, to considerations about, uh, this, this spiritual good again, right? Am I, am I looking at things in terms of what is a true good that's serving me, that's serving others around me? Um, or is this maybe an obsession? Maybe it's something that's, you know, just being driven into my head by all these standards of people around me that I can't live up to. And there's a certain sense of inferiority or something that goes with that. And this then becomes a way for me to sort of uh, latch onto that train so I don't feel that sense of inferiority or something like this, where I'm losing my, my spiritual grounding um, and I'm getting caught up in whether it's the way that other people think about me or the lack of the self-esteem or some of these other reasons, um, they, they can be, that can be dangerous, uh, is all I'm saying. Right. And, and it can be a dangerous, um, sort of the, the exaggerated, um, reasons can be the, that we've lost that centeredness, that orderliness about how we think about it. You can almost maybe think about it like an analogy to the clothing that we wear. I was kind of thinking about this all throughout the, as I was reading the talk, um, you know, we have general standards for clothing that we wear. It's another careful topic, you know, you know, but what do you say? Um, but, That's but it's certainly, episode. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no, don't, don't bring me back for that one. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but no, but, the, but I think we can understand the general idea that um, you can wear different clothing in different circumstances, uh, and it may be more fitting to certain contexts. Um, and, and the clothing is supposed to help to better express the person. Right. The, the, it's not supposed to interfere with my ability to see an actual whole person, body and soul in front of me. You know, it's I'm supposed to uh, not be distracted by it. it shouldn't be gregarious. It shouldn't be, you know, I'm just trying to make myself the center of attention or whatever those things are. Um, but we do and should be orderly, dignified, you know, these kinds of terms that you hear in terms of a, a Catholic Christian understanding of what beauty, modesty, you know, these sorts of things are. Um, there's there's a basic sense that it's not one extreme or the other is where I'm you know, trying to go here. Right. So reasonable versus too, too much. John, I think you did a good job laying down the foundations for this topic. We want to get into the nitty gritty right after the break here on Dr. Doctor. And we are back on Dr. Doctor, talking today Dr. John D. Camillo about cosmetic surgery. And there's three main things that we wanted to think about when assessing any particular cosmetic procedure. One is the intention. Two we talked about was whether it was a proportionate action. And there was a third one regarding risk. John, tell us about what we should think about there. Yeah, so with regard to risk, uh, you know, you always have to be clear on the the minimum, which is uh, Pius clearly says there should be no damage to healthy organs. Um, so, you know, if there's a risk that your cosmetic surgery is going to compromise the function of your healthy organs, that's a bar you can't cross. 
Um, there, there are also going to be other considerations, obviously, if there's risks of death or maybe serious infection or things of that sort, those are important considerations. Um, and that can vary, you know, what is the actual risk that's, that's too much will vary in the case. But I think we have the absolute threshold of, um, if there is a damage to healthy organ function, doesn't work. Very good. And, and so now, you know, let's move on to something that is often brought up. You've you've touched on it. The Pope touches on it. He talks about psychic disturbances, but there's the whole psychologic aspect because there's something that we're aware of in dermatology. Some people have body dysmorphic disorder. The way they perceive their body itself is disordered. So there's something, even if there's nothing wrong physically or with their beauty or fulfilling you know, their purpose in their appearance, there's something wrong. So how how is someone to tease that out and to make sure before doing it that they're not doing it for a disordered psychologic reason? That's a good question. Um, also, because I think Pius would it, would say that there you can do a cosmetic surgery in situations where there is um, some kind of serious psychological reason if the surgery would actually address the underlying problem. Um, so if there's a body dysmorphic disorder or something uh, of that sort, and if the surgery is actually expected to resolve it, uh, then he would say that that could fit into the overall good of the well-being of the person. What would be, there'd be some examples, I'm sure, as well of times when it would be a bad idea, such as you can envision maybe an anorexic type person who would want liposuction because they even themselves consider themselves overweight or too fat or something. So the psychic yeah. disturbance, would you say that uh, would probably cut both ways. Yes, and it would have to take into account the bigger picture, also of uh, sort of the the three constitutive elements, also of beauty that Pius XII addresses, which are the perfection of the individual parts, the harmony of the parts together, and the sincerity of expression of the whole person. And I think in a, in a situation, this gets to the question of authenticity or fakeness or something of this sort. And when you have something like anorexia, you're talking about a situation where if a liposuction is proposed, you're, you're first of all talking about damaging the parts individually. You're also talking about messing up the harmony altogether and, and destroying that beauty that way cosmetically, just physically, um, because it doesn't correspond to reality. The person's perception doesn't correspond to reality. And ultimately, then you're also undermining the sincerity of expression um, of the, the overall good of that person. So anyway, my point, you would have to take into account this dimension of the uh, holistic well-being of the person, um, which in the case of the anorexic, your, your liposuction is actually running contrary to the true identity and the true physical uh, reality of the person. Whereas in the case of body dysmorphic disorder, you're removing a small, slight, or trivial defect um, that is just preoccupying the person significantly. Actually, John, body yeah. dysmorphic disorder is a much more serious condition than that. In fact, we're taught that if somebody does have that diagnosis, not to operate on them because it's a cascading event that is never satisfied with that particular Understood. type of individual. Yeah, I sorry, I didn't clarify, okay. but it's a serious a psychological um, yeah. disability. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, then that's important because uh, the caveat I put was if it's expected that this would resolve. And, and problem, it never does. Right? Which it By doesn't, definition. as you're saying. Okay. So if it doesn't then, and it's not expected to, then it would fail on that criterion as well. Very good. Yeah. I like it when you can give us these criteria, we can sink our teeth into that. That's helpful. Yet they're not black and white, which a lot of things aren't in life. I, <laughs> I like those three parts of beauty. I've never heard that before. Uh, usually beauty is something that you recognize, but I've, I've never stopped to, to really, you know, most people would agree on things that are beautiful or things that are, are ugly. Um, but those three that you gave, what were those again? The individual parts? Yeah. The, the perfection of the individual parts, the harmony of the parts together, and the sincerity of expression. Of man, that's wonderful. The, yeah. Yeah, and Pius talked about that. And I got to tell you, the beginning of his address, he lays out all these different procedures that we do in reconstruction, and it's like he had to have help writing it because it was done <laughs> yeah, so <definitely. laughs> well. So something else that we we uh, would be off the list besides an anorexic who wants liposuction, um, and the Pope talks about it, is related to seduction. What does he say there? Yeah, he said that would definitely be a wrong intention. So it would fail that yes. criterion of having a right intention. If your purpose is to seduce someone, clearly it's immoral just by that intention. And and finally, before we get into some of the specific examples, what would you say are some of the non-physical 
dangers, non-physical risks of pursuing cosmetic surgery? In other words, can it hurt us spiritually, relationally, or emotionally? Yeah, absolutely. And there are many of them, obviously. But I think one of the big ones comes from, again, those those three criteria of beauty, the elements, that sincerity of expression really struck me when I was reading about it. You know, he says this is yes. actually the most important and determining factor. Um, you know, the perfection of the parts and the harmony of them together um, are measurable in some way uh, by criteria, standards, proportion, you know, of the features of yes. the face, et cetera. But the sincerity of expression is something you have to read into the interiority of the individual. And so so it really struck me because it, it's the, one of the dangers of cosmetic surgery is that it's used to essentially create a mask, you know, that it's, it becomes part of a, rather than expressing the interiority of the person, it hides the interiority of the person. The person seeks refuge, perhaps, unfortunately, in modifications to the body that are just on the exterior without actually um, rightfully and truthfully and sincerely manifesting the beauty of the interior person. <laughs> okay, so here's a concrete example where, where you were mentioning this, and this is exactly what Botox can do. In certain circumstances, Botox prevents the emotions from being expressed in the face because mm. of the paralysis of certain wow. muscles. Right, uh, right. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, they want to get rid of wrinkles, but it also, in some circumstances, gets rid of the ability to express what the person is feeling. John, yes, in, yeah. in looking at a lot of these different quotes from the saints regarding cosmetics and stuff, it seems as though their primary occupation with sinfulness is related to being uh, not authentic and, and putting up that mask. Is that correct to say? Is that you yes, kind of mentioned that's the so. trump card in trying to analyze this? Yes, I, I would say absolutely, because I think any any kind of cosmetic surgery always is running on that danger line of, am I doing this to better express and live out a spiritual life? Or is it uh, something that's masking another issue, whether it's a psychological issue or a spiritual issue or an emotional issue? Is it is it a mask for that something else? Um, and, and what the spiritual life seeks is the fullness of expression and the fulfillment and authenticity of the individual person. You know, the God wants you as you are who you are, the way he made you to your perfection as he envisioned you, and not necessarily the way you want to make yourself to be. <laughs> Specific examples. Okay, so one thing, and, and uh, you know, your colleague, Father Tad there wrote some years ago about breast augmentation. And he, in his writing, gives the example of a woman who says, I got implants so that I could gain back my confidence and feel good about myself. How how could breast augmentation be considered by somebody considering it? So, yeah, that's going to be, a, again, case specific. I mean, I think that's dangerous. It, it, it has all of the dangers of any kind of purely cosmetic surgery that it may end up being, if that's the only reason for regaining your confidence and there's nothing you're building upon, then that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a no. Um, but if it's part of in some way, a, an actual um, deepening of the spiritual life and a, a better manifestation uh, of the individual without the harms also that we mentioned before, right? There has to be a proportionality here of the risks that you're undergoing in doing the surgery. Hopefully it's not impeding the function of the breast tissue, et cetera, right? Those conditions would have to be met as well. But but in theory, at least, there might be a place for that uh, to work if you're avoiding the dangers of inauthenticity and uh, and so forth. I think one of the things that the listeners, many listeners may be hoping for is, are some things always wrong or are some things always safe? And I'm, I'm kind of, uh, as we're going through this discussion, it strikes me that we probably can't say that for much of anything, that it's always a safe or a good idea or other things are always a bad idea without delving into each specific situation. Is that true? Yes, I would say that's true with the caveat, as we said before, about those limits on if it's something that physically uh, causes damage to your physical function of organs, that would be an absolute no. Um, but if we're above that bar and we're generally in an area where risks are low uh, and it's purely cosmetic surgery, then it really is. And Pius says it explicitly. It's case specific. It's all in the circumstances. So what would be a good reason for someone to get a rhinoplasty, a nose job? 
Well, theoretically, if it were, um, if the nose were perhaps such a distraction um, to oneself or to others that, you know, the person's limited um, socially, uh, relationally, uh, unable to, you know, develop or form good, solid relationships, and that's not able to be resolved in other ways first, um, then that could be a reason. You know, maybe if the, if the nose is very much out of proportion or disfigured or something like this, um, it, it could be improved upon aesthetically. Uh, and, and that could be legitimate. But again, you're always running the same risks of, is it really just vanity? Is it just because I want people's attention so they look really great? Or am I actually trying to do something to um, improve um, the, the perfection of my whole life, spiritual life included, uh, and contribute to the good also of those around me in some way? Oh, Tom, I was just thinking, you know, it's not always considered a cosmetic procedure per se, but it's got cosmetic uh, undertones is a bariatric surgery. And I think many people consider it for medical reasons in their own right. But is there a cosmetic consideration for bariatric surgery, John? Uh, yes. Again, po possibly the, the same basic idea. Uh, if the body is out of proportion uh, and it's bringing it into a state of um, greater physical perfection, physical beauty in that, in that sense, and therefore also enabling in the bigger context, the person to live out their spiritual life and to have that psychological um, aid that comes from it. Yes, it can be legitimate, but I would, I would continue to put the big caveat that um, this is one of the other, you know, big pitfalls that I didn't explicitly state yet. It can be that with any cosmetic surgery, apart from the inauthenticity, it can be looking for an easy out. In other words, it can be looked for accomplishing or achieving something easily without putting in hard work to, to create virtue, you know, to form virtuous habits and, and those sorts of things. So something like the, the bariatric surgery that comes to mind as well, you know, are there questions of diet, of food, et cetera. And I, again, I'm not going to get into the, all the medical sides of this. Most of that's probably been exhausted if you're getting to the point of the surgery, but the, the point would be that, um, you always, you don't want to modify just the externals without ensuring that there's an interior life that is being either supportive of the change that's going to be happening and therefore it's better expressing that interior life or that that interior life is uh, is going to be aiding in developing virtues that will um, that that will align with a physical beauty as well so it's not just the quest for exterior physical beauty it's the quest for the interior physical uh, I'm sorry the interior soul uh, beauty and those going together and working in harmony not just looking for easy solutions. One scenario I'm thinking might be, you know, easier to um, approve of would be like uh, the school-aged boy who has ears that stick way out and is made fun of a lot, uh, having an otoplasty done where they kind of pull the ears back. What do you think about that, John? Yeah, that sounds like something that would likely be uh, a good example of a legitimate cosmetic uh, alteration. <clears throat> How about laser hair removal? <laughs> Are there any hairs we should leave there? I mean, I think of how much time I spend shaving, even just trying to keep it at a minimum. I wish I could get that back. What do you think about laser hair removal? I think that would also be in a fairly simple category of simple to say it could be okay. Uh, again, especially I'm assuming, I, I don't know all the medical details, but I think it's pretty low risk. Am I right? Very low risk. Okay. <laughs> Yes, it is very low risk um, and it, it is something. Now, the question would arise again, well, why though? I mean, why is the person seeking this and are the reasons tied to a vanity or are the reasons tied to just a, a general whim like, hey, I just want to do this? Or is there actually some kind of um, interest in the aesthetic um, beauty that is also going to serve or reflect the interior good of the person and those around them? There are actually now some procedures, I won't name any of the brand names, but where you can go in and have these paddles put on around your fat areas and have them frozen and the fat actually starts to go away. And another machine that you can put around your muscles that actually tones the muscles while you're just laying there. How would you evaluate those type of procedures? Uh, are those cosmetic? <laughs> I mean, the, yes, the it, second one. So I it's guess, to improve, yeah, it's to yeah. reduce the amount of fat. Yeah. by freezing it away, or it's to um, increase the toned appearance of muscles. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would say those could be legitimate as well. It could also be immoral, but it's the circumstance-specific analysis. It's it's hard to say. I would say in that case, the first thing that comes to mind, though, is um, 
you know, similar maybe to the bariatric surgery is, um, is there also an accompanying growth in virtue that's going to go with this? Um, Sometimes people need the extra help or the extra, you know, let's get moving on this or let's get rid of a whole lot quickly or whatever that is great. Uh, It can work. It's improving the physical beauty of the individual, but it should never leave out the interior life. And it should always be seeking to reflect that interior growth in virtue. Well, I guess uh, probably one of the the common things that many people think of as well um, are kind of the Botox and the fillers to hide wrinkles, uh, different sorts of injections and things of those nature. Are those generally a safe thing to do? I know always back to the intention, but would morally, would you find that most people could could find that ethically safe? Uh, yeah, from a, from a moral standpoint, I would say if the risks are very low, um, then it's likely that it could pass moral muster. Yeah, it could meet the criteria. I, I think one of the things that many people kind of ask about is, you know, how 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 do we analyze things philosophically as they transition from you know wearing wearing makeup, um, I guess not wearing makeup to wearing makeup to doing Botox, but really this the philosophical analysis is kind of similar, is it not? Yes, it's similar, um, it, of course, to the, ex- the extent that one has longer lasting implications, you know, the cosmetics versus a, a surgical intervention of some sort. There's always a longer lasting implication and maybe a higher risk level associated with uh, the surgical. But I think the basic principles are the same. It's just that when you come to your analysis of the proportionality of the risks, you're going to have much lower risks, almost, you know, to nearly non-existent in the case of the, the cosmetics versus surgical interventions. John, in our last 30 seconds, what final bits of wisdom would you like to leave with our listeners? I would say I think it's really important to keep in mind in the overall picture, this is about the moral life. And we need to be focused more in a vision of, you know, how do I how do I end up in heaven? <laughs> you know, like uh, what is, what, what, what pink cares, service pink cares was a priest who, who wrote about the moral life. And, um, he talked about what was called a freedom for excellence rather than a freedom of indifference. It's not just a question of where's the limit of like, when is this not allowed anymore? Like, where's the, okay, you can't do that. The legalistic, you know, where's my minimum? What can I do or not do? What can I get away with? But we have to be focused more on how can I be fulfilled? How can I be, you know, deep in my friendship with God and with others? And so let's put this, I would say, put this whole cosmetic surgery question constantly into that framework you know how does anything yeah (laughs) that is a great way to do it john you've been a wonderful guest we may have you in our future here on dr doctor thanks for being with us and we are back with dr doctor and the answer to the medical trivia question tom what are we what are we lifting most often now our, 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 yeah, is it, that, that's true. Are we lifting the nose, the eyelids, the face, the, and there are other areas being lifted. Yes. So <laughs> the top five cosmetic surgical procedures performed in 2020, which one had increased the most in the previous 20 years? An astounding 75% increase. Was it the, the nose job, the eyelid lift, the facelift, the breast augmentation or liposuction? The answer is it was the facelift. Which surprised me because I thought those were going out of favor because they just don't look natural, most of the ones that I've seen. Yeah, I thought that they was all witness well. protection stuff. I mean, <laughs> how long is the recovery on a facelift? I've never been involved in one of those. Ah, uh, you know, I was only involved in one in my residency, so it's been a long time. And initially they look good, but with time, because of the way that the face will age with gravity. It won't age the same way as a normal face, so it looks more unnatural later on. See, I always uh, heard time heals all things, but not facelifts, right? Not, not in my experience. Now, they may have improved since then. I haven't been involved in any, so I might be giving a bad name to something that isn't done anymore that's done a better way. And I know there are minimally invasive facelifts done, uh, which probably don't move around as much. And therefore, when gravity takes its toll. It's not going to do it the same way with the earlier versions of facelifts. So, uh, Andrew, what are your top three takeaways for this episode? Man, John had a lot of good points. My number one, though, is that the church has never condemned cosmetic surgery in principle. Uh, The Pope that we were quoting said that beauty is one of the many goods and it has its proper place and you have to analyze it with intention, risk, and proportionality. So it's not outrightly condemned. It can be okay. 
number two, I would say that the hard no line of where things are bad is when it comes to mutilation, when you're destroying or hurting a normally functioning bodily organ. That is a hard no. That is bad. Um, yes. And then number three is overarchingly, you want to ask, is this procedure I'm considering helping me and those around me get to heaven? And that should also be a yes to make it a legitimate procedure or manipulation that you're doing. I like the way that he he did that because it gives people criteria, it give, but it also gives hard hard no's and some probable yeses within there. Now, there was something he didn't bring up that I love that the Pope wrote about. And it fits right in with what John was saying about it, supporting the spiritual good of the person. And the Pope said, sometimes there are situations where we just have to accept the way things are and offer that up to, to God for our own spiritual good. And sometimes there is a real suffering involved in that. He said, that's, that's not the goal, but sometimes that's where we're led to in the final analysis. Again, circumstance-based. Yeah. I mean, it's beauty is a good and we can avail ourselves to these things, but I'd encourage anyone who's considering cosmetic procedures to seek out advice uh, less from your friends and more from your priest or, or maybe a doctor who knows where you're coming from ethically. Great point, Andrew. Thanks all of you for listening to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the award-winning official radio program and podcast of the Catholic Medical Association. Please share the good news of Dr. Doctor with a friend and invite them to listen on their favorite podcast app. You can find all of our episodes on our website, drdoctor.org. For those who want to dive deeper into some topics, check out our website for bonus links and for information in our post for each episode. This is Dr. Tom McGovern and Dr. Andrew Mullally, and we're signing off until your next dose of Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association, whose members are dedicated to upholding the principles of the Catholic faith in the science and practice of medicine. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host or the Catholic Medical Association. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. Tune in for new episodes every Friday and find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.